You're listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast with Jody Livingston, episode number 12. We're actually like 12 and 3 fourths, 12 and 3 fourths episodes old. Like I'm, we're almost 13, so it's basically the same thing. Welcome to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast, helping you survive and thrive in youth ministry. And now your host, Jody Livingston. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening today, wherever you are and wherever this finds you. Thanks for making this podcast episode today a part of your day. And if this is your first time listening, thanks for coming over and checking out the podcast. You picked a good day. And if you're coming back, well, thanks for coming back. If you enjoy the podcast, I would ask to head over to iTunes and leave a review there. Subscribe to the podcast so you get the content each week as it comes out. The reviews, the written reviews are such an encouragement to me. Really helps uh, other youth workers and youth pastors decide whether the podcast is right for them and a good fit for them and would be helpful. Also helps a lot with the iTunes rankings there, which helps other youth pastors find the podcast. And so if you get a, ch- a chance to do that, head over to longerhall.com slash iTunes and that will take you there where you need to go. You can also follow me on the Twitter sphere at, at Jody Livingston, J-O-D-Y Livingston, and of course on the Facebook over there at The Longer Hall. All of the links, all the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find at thelongerhall.com slash episode 012, as in 12, thelongerhall.com slash episode 012. Today's guest is a great friend of mine, Matthew Hart. If you've been around the blog for any amount of time, you've probably read some posts by him. In particular, he's written a couple uh, on when you want to stay and you can't. One of the reasons I started The Longer Haul was to encourage longevity in ministry. I definitely think it's the best approach. I think it's the biblical approach, um, just to be honest. But sometimes that's beyond your control, and uh, in those posts there, Matthew just shares his heart, a little bit of his story in that. They are easily one of the top read and engaged posts on the entire blog. Out of hundreds and hundreds of posts, those consistently are being read and devoured. And so I'll have links for those in the show notes. If you have not read those posts, I highly encourage you to go back and do so. I'm excited for him to come on the show today and talk about this this topic of today's interview, which is what youth leaders, volunteer youth leaders and youth workers need from youth pastors. He is probably more qualified than anybody I know to speak on this topic, having been a full-time youth pastor and a youth ministry veteran for years and years and years, and as a volunteer youth leader now for the last four years since uh, being laid off as a youth pastor. So he's got some great stuff in here for you, really good nuggets. And if you're a youth pastor, you need to pay attention because your volunteers are needing what he's going to share just a great, great episode. Just a, a really awesome, awesome episode, awesome interview. Um, I, I would highly encourage you to reach out to Matthew if you need to. He's a great resource for you, and he knows what he's talking about. He, one of the best youth pastors I know. Uh, he does more with parents. He engages parents better and does more with students. I've seen his students grow faster and, and deeper than almost any other youth pastor in youth ministry. I know just a great resource out there, uh, giving, giving heart 
um, as well. Before we get to today's interview, I'd like to thank today's sponsor, which is audible.com. Listen, if you have not tried out audible.com, I really just want to encourage you that just as a friend to you, it is one of the best resources and a go-to resource for me. I didn't think I'd like it when I tried it, to be real honest. A friend recommended it to me like I am to you, and uh, I tried it out, and I love it. I love it, and it's an easy way for me to just read more, to engage more, to kind of consume more content. So for listeners of the of thelongerhaul.com, they are offering a free month trial with a free download of any book out of the 150,000 titles they have there. You can try that out. If you don't like it, you don't have to. You don't have to continue. You don't have to keep uh, keep going with it. But I think you'll find it very, very helpful. I appreciate the fact that if I'm in a season where I'm really busy and I'm not having time to listen to the books, I can cancel for a bit and then pick up when I need to again. It's just a great resource. I really, really do enjoy it, and I use it a ton. So you can go to thelongerhaul.com/audibletrial, thelongerhaul.com/audibletrial. Check out there. Sign up for your free 30-day trial and get your free audio book. Um, so with all that said, we'll jump right in here to the interview with Matthew Hart, and we're going to talk about what youth leaders need from youth pastors. Hey, Matthew, thanks for coming on the show today, man. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to do it, and I think what we're talking about especially is really, really important, and um, I think I say that every week, but such a crucial element that most youth pastors, um, I think, really miss out on, and that is what youth leaders really need from their youth pastors. Um, and so take a minute, if you don't mind, and introduce yourself, give a little bit of your background and um, and kind of how you ended up where you are, and then we'll jump in from there. Okay. Thanks again, Jody, for having me. Um, I've been doing youth ministry probably since we worked at the Y together, uh, which is about 14 or 15 years ago, which makes us sound pretty old, I guess. We we are old. Okay. <laughs> I guess if you have a kid in your youth group, you're old. Is that how that works? That's I feel that way. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, so I've been a youth pastor. I was full-time at three different churches doing youth ministry plus other things at other churches. Uh, a church laid me off in 2010 due to the fact that they had no more money. Uh, and so they let the newest guy hired go, and that was me. Um, since then, I've worked at a bank and volunteered in youth ministry at the church we go to now. Uh, so basically four years of volunteer status and youth ministry as well. Yeah, and you've written a couple of posts on the blog um, in particular that, that have been really very helpful to a lot of folks, certainly very popular. I think they're in the top five uh, posts, like not just read, but people are actually going to those posts and spending time just devouring those things uh, on, you know, when you want to stay and you can't. We talk a lot about longevity here. That's kind of the whole point of the blog is to encourage that. And sometimes it's beyond your control. That's true. And um, and so those those posts are on there. I'll we'll link to those in the show notes if folks have not read those yet. But super super helpful. Um, I'm glad you're here for those reasons. Um, we've we've obviously been friends for a long time, and we've done tons of youth events together as well as uh, working together with teens there at the Y. And I think that. The situation you just described, kind of being being a full time guy in in youth ministry as the youth pastor leading the charge, and you had a phenomenal group of leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, you had you had a lot of. I mean, how how okay? So how big? Just for frame of reference here, how how big was your youth group at at the last church that let you go? The last church we were running probably thirty to 
40 students, I think. So 30 to 40 students. And how many parents and adults did you have involved in that ministry across the spectrum? We had 30 plus adults working with students on a weekly basis, whether small group leaders or praise band or drama or any of that kind of stuff. So that's like a one-to-one ratio. Yeah, that's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's awesome. And most of them were parents. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we, that's such a huge thing right now. And I, I mean, We've talked a lot about that and engaging parents. How do you get parents plugged in and involved? And you're you're amazing at that. Um, for sure, that's a huge strength of yours. But I think the perspective that you bring now being on kind of the other side of the fence for a little while as a youth leader serving in a student ministry is really, really crucial and helpful for those who are in uh, the youth pastor position now. And I know even as we've talked, like how helpful that's going to be for you hmm. as a youth pastor again. Definitely. Um, now having experienced that. So um, l- let's jump in and give me, I don't know, give me four or five things that you think youth pastors need to be doing or giving to the, how about, let me phrase it this way. Four or five things that youth leaders or volunteers need from the youth pastor. Okay. I would say number one is communication. I think I learned that the first fall retreat that you and I did together I still remember the confused look on this woman that came with me. Um, her name was Susan. She didn't know what was going on. Her biggest complaint was she didn't know what was what we were doing, what was next, what was happening. And you and I had done ministry and stuff together. We knew each other so well. It was easy for us just to fall in and we could kind of read each other's thoughts and, and do it without communicating that to the other leaders. And I think one thing that a, a leader would need from a youth pastor is communicating This is what we're trying to do. This is the goal for this event. This is what's trying to, you know, share some vision, share some big picture of what we're trying to accomplish with whatever we're doing. But say, this is where I hope us to be, you know, I hope for us to be here in three months or we're going after this or we're going to pursue this area of ministry more uh, during the next couple of months kind of thing. So I think just communicating, you know, as a youth pastor, communicating your heart, but also communicating simple things like, hey, this is the schedule for the weekend. This is what we're going to do. This is what I expect of you as a leader on this trip. Um, those kind of things. I think that first thing there is communication is big. I think once you're communicating with the with the youth pastors, communicating with the leaders, leaders feel comfortable enough to come to the youth pastor if they've got questions um, and, and stuff like that. I think as a guy that's been uh, now kind of as a volunteer status, when I'm thinking of youth ministry, like I guess when I say this, I've been thinking about youth ministry and I'll write the youth pastor and it's like, okay, you know, I'm not always thinking about youth ministry. So if you've got a youth leader writing you a text or an email or, you know, or something like that or a Facebook message, I think the youth pastor needs to, needs to reply quicker to that kind of response rather than working on whatever they're working on. Because obviously that shows that that youth leader is invested, that leader's plugged in, that leader's trying to, you know, see where you're going and, and, and thinking about the youth ministry some other time other than when youth ministry is happening, you know, when the youth group events happening kind of thing. And I think that that's important to uh, communicate back to that person quickly because um, they may not be thinking about it. They may get back into life and work and everything else. And, you know, youth ministry may get pushed to the backside. And as a youth pastor, you're sitting there thinking youth ministry 40, 50 hours a week, <laughs> you know. Right, right. So you really, you know, when you got people writing you and trying to contact you, I, I really feel like youth pastors got to do a better job of communicating uh, with the youth leader. 
this is an area where a lot of youth pastors fail. I mean, you're so busy at times doing quote unquote ministry that you miss out on opportunities to do ministry with the ones you serve with. Um, and I love what you said about, you know, they're not always thinking youth ministry. I think that's so true. And it's easy for us to forget that uh, or just assume, you know, that everybody's always thinking the way we're thinking. I think it's, do you think it's helpful yeah. to, you know, with your, your volunteers to say, hey, if you send me a message or you're trying to get a hold of me, give me, you know, 24 hours, 48 hours, you know, off the front end, like give me some, some time, um, kind of a window. There's kind of an understanding of a window of, of time of response there. Yeah, I think there needs to be, like as a youth pastor, one of my goals was like people basically knew something bad had happened when I was being laid off because I didn't respond to texts. Uh, or messages. People were texting and my phone was blowing up, but I had put it on airplane mode because I was uh, basically hiking and kind of dealing with the whole situation. And they were like, whoa, something's really bad has happened. And they knew that because I didn't communicate with them. Like I, one of the things I think that I think the reason why we had the team that we had at the last church was because I communicated uh, and probably over communicated to a point because they're like, okay, so let's go, right. <laughs> you know, but I wanted them to understand and know that I would take as long as it would take for them to know where I'm coming from, where I'm going, that I'm not just making rules up. I'm not just making plans up. I'm, this is, the, it fits in with the ultimate vision and direction that we're trying to do as a youth ministry. And I think that, that if you're, if you're communicating those things, then, then it's easy to get, you know, there needs to be an understanding. Like as a youth pastor, youth pastors are notoriously slack. At communicating, they're they're horrible at writing people back. Uh, you know, in a business world, I talked to a friend of mine who works in a business world, and he's like, a phone call. If somebody calls you and leaves a voicemail, you have like an hour, uh, or you know, at least by the end of business day, to at least respond and just say, I got your message. I'm still thinking about it, or I need to talk to you a little bit more about it, or you know, something like that. I need to get more information to hear where you're coming from or what you were thinking about this. Um, you know, may not make a decision that day. Uh, but you at least want to hear what they're coming from and what they've been thinking about. Because once again, like I said earlier, if they're thinking about youth ministry, you've got to invest in them when they're thinking about youth ministry. You got to, excuse me, encourage them and stuff like that about youth ministry if they're thinking about it. We've this is an area that we've really tried to improve in, in particular. Um, you know, I think the larger your ministry gets, the more complicated it becomes, the more difficult it becomes to to communicate. You know, when you've got you know, like you're talking 25, 30 leaders, that's a lot of people pulling at you on top of parents, top of students. Right. One of the things that we've started using really, and in episode two, actually, Kurt Libby was on talking about the Youth Ministry Tracker app, and he had mentioned one of his resources was uh, an app called Slack. Hmm. And you talk about youth pastors being Slack. We are intentionally Slack <laughs> um, because we've started using that uh, as a as a church staff, and we've started using that as a as a youth ministry staff, student ministry staff. And, uh, man, it, it's been amazing because everything's kind of in one spot. We, mm-hmm. and we had our, we had our disciple now weekend this past weekend. And that was huge. That, that one communication tool for us was extremely helpful, um, in, in that whole process and being able to communicate back and forth. It saved me in particular from having to text a million different people yeah. the same thing. I just put it in one spot and everybody got it and they could reply back. And see, and I think once again, that comes into that, 
that first thing, the communication. Because once you're, once it's all out there, there's nothing hidden. It's not like we're doing secret stuff as a youth ministry. Like it, it, it's not top secret. So it's like, let's, let's put the information out there and be, you know, that famous buzzword that everybody likes to use and transparent and say, this is where we're going. You know, this is what we're trying to do, this is what we're trying to accomplish. You know, and I think when that happens, I think that that helps extend your ministry, helps you be seen as not just, the youth pastor to students, but also the youth pastor to those leaders. Yeah. Communication, huge. Right. And vision. I mean, we've talked to, we've, we've had Nate Turner on to talk about casting vision, uh, creating vision, finding vision and, and the importance of that. Um, that's, that's huge. And then certainly like when you're talking events or, you know, things that are happening and, and even just the details, just consistent communication, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Okay. So communication. What else? I think number two is support in life uh, is what I've got here on my notes. But I guess the thing I was thinking of is don't just see them as my leader to my small group, and but see them as people. B- build that relationship. Get to know what makes them tick. Know what they're interested in. You know, know if they're struggling with their own kids at home. Um, you know, get into their life a little bit on a level that's not – I'm a youth pastor and I need to make sure that you're there for my small group of my seventh, eighth grade guys, for example, but get in their life to know, Hey, their marriage is kind of struggling and be the pastor in that relationship, support them in that, you know, do what you can to assist them in whatever life is throwing at them so that they are able to actually, you know, live in such a way that they feel like somebody cares about them and they're not just a person filling a role, I guess would be, I don't know. So from a practical standpoint, Give me some ways that you would do that or that you've done that. Um, well, I think, I mean, one of the things that I always did and, and I like to eat. <laughs> and so as like, if we can get together and do food, but it was always like, I would have them over to my house. Uh, I'd open up the home and say, come on over and eat. Uh, and I broke it eventually. I think started breaking it. Like as they came into the ministry and started being a part of the ministry, uh, I had an application that I had them fill out, which sounds kind of impersonal, but it kind of gave me a background information. But then I, the last step was they came over to the house and we had dinner and talked and, and, you know, I had the background of, you know, their testimony and how they were saved or, you know, what kind of church they grew up in or any of that kind of stuff had that information. And then we were able to just talk. And so it was, and, and being in a house versus being, you know, at church or in your office or, you know, something like that, it's more laid back and it's more, um, just you become people together versus, you know, pastor role. And, and it's kind of weird. I'm telling you to be a pastor <laughs> to these leaders but at the same time you have to realize it's not it's it's about that relationship that's the most important part i mean because once they don't feel a connection to your ministry they're going to check out (laughs) you know yeah and i'll say this too you know we do the same uh, as far as you know the application type of thing if you are a new youth pastor in a new role and you are listening and thinking, that's I, I need, you're taking notes, you're saying, okay, I need an application. We don't do that. Uh, be very careful about that because mm-hmm. you can really upset some people yeah. if all of a sudden you're making people apply um, to do that. So one of the ways that we've handled that in the past in, in a previous ministry where we implemented that process is we didn't call it, it's the same thing, right? We didn't call it an application. We called it an information form. <laughs> and uh, same thing, but it, it sounds softer. Yeah. Right. I mean, it sounds collecting the exact same information. Um, it just, it was a better, it was better received. Um, 
in that. And I always encourage young youth pastors or new youth pastors on that fact. Like, you you know, you're going to be doing some background screening. Hopefully you're going to be doing some of those things regardless of the size of your ministry. What you name things and call things is really important. The thesaurus is your friend. It is your friend. <laughs> and that goes for students. That goes for, you know, for anything. Just it, just a different word mm-hmm. will we'll change the whole thing. What would you say to a new youth pastor um, who's kind of stepping in? That either they're walking into a situation where they have a team in place already, they've inherited, or they're trying to build a team. How do they support that? How do they begin that process of support? Oh, well, I think uh, I think it's um, well. I I kind of see it as two different things. Like if there's no team in place, then it allows you to cast vision. And allows you to share your heart with leaders. And as you recruit these leaders, they're going to join you by the vision that you have. And I'm not saying that your vision is different from the church's stated vision or purpose or anything like that. But I'm saying that you as a leader are saying this is how this is fleshed out with us in the student ministry. We kind of put a student spin or turn on things. Uh, This is what we're focusing on kind of thing. Um, if there is a team in place, and I think that the last church that I was at, that there was a team there, and they some of the team kind of transitioned out as new people transitioned in, and I, but I don't think people left be angry, or at least I hope they didn't leave angry from being involved in ministry. They're like, you know, I would been involved, you know, they've been there for seven years or so, so they had seen kids come in at seventh grade and graduate already, so they were kind of like, you know, maybe now's the time for me to explore a different ministry opportunity and they kind of moved on in that regard at the same time there was other people that we came in and when they came in they joined in as part of the team i I know that for the the team that i had twitter was new (laughs) i guess you could say back then and people um nobody was people were just kind of figuring it out and getting started and it wasn't as um commercial i guess you could say as it is now i guess because it seems like everybody and their brother has one Right, But I think that for us, it allowed us to be family because we could follow each other on our phones and we'd know when people were having a bad day. When they show up at youth group, they know the kid was sick or the, you know, the car was in an accident or, you know, whatever the case may be. We were able to go through life in a virtually connected way with the Twitter account at that point in time, you know, and it was kind of funny because it was now it was hilarious because when I was laid off, all of a sudden all the kids said, hey, we're going to be on Twitter now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, right, you could have been there three years ago. But anyway, uh, so I think that that's part of it. So to answer your question, I think that spending time with them and building that relationship, um, doing things together, hopefully fun stuff along the way together, um, building fun into the things that you're doing with those leaders as you're, you know, try to do some training, uh, but also, you know, make it worth their while. I think one of the things I think that we did, and we didn't have much of a budget, uh, obviously, because I was laid off due to the financial situation. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that we did is that I said I was going to take care of leaders. If you're taking off time from work to go to camp or to go here, you're covered. We're going to spend budget on that. Um, and and for leaders to do different things, we wanted to make sure that they knew that we su- we agreed with, supported, loved what they were doing. And so we didn't want money to be an issue for them to participate in things. Sometimes we bribe them by saying, if you get your whole small group to go, then you go for free. Cause you, by then I had almost two leaders in every, for almost every small group. So I kind of said, if you get, get everybody to go, you'll go both go for free. And, uh, they, some of the small group leaders jumped all over it. 
you know, they got it done. Well, and there's ways to counteract that too. So if you're sitting here listening and you have, you're like, gosh, I've got 500 bucks for the whole year. I mean, that's more that, than I had at one church. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, we've all been there, right? We've all been yep. there. Um, there's ways to, to get around that. And, and you can, without having to do some crazy spaghetti supper that's never going to make you any money. Yeah. Um, you know, we've done lock ins and charged five or 10 bucks and spent way less than that per kid. And you come out. True. positive on that and then we take that money and then we put that back towards camp or back towards covering leader costs or there's ways to do that to make up that budget throughout the year kind of fun no fun no raise no fundraising fundraising if you will mm-hmm. um and 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 you can take care of those leaders in conversation you just have to get kind of creative sometimes and obviously work within the bounds of your you know your, your policies there within yeah. your church but but that is true. I mean, I would say that the last church I was at, we had a budget and then we also had a fund. The budget was what they said on paper we were going to have. And the fund was actually money in the bank. And when, uh, when I, when they basically got rid of my position, we had $8,000 <laughs> in the fund, which means that was real money in the bank that we had just built up and saved and used and put in there and people had given because they were supportive of seeing what we were doing as a youth ministry. Yeah. And use it, man. Spend it on your leaders, spend it on yep. your kids, spend it on your parents. Yep. Um, and and I would say spend it before you spend your budget. I think that yeah. goes a long way with the church, seeing you being respectful of the budget. If you can save money where you can, then then you should for sure. Okay, so communication, uh, support and love. What else? I put ministerial support. In other words, what I was thinking there was I basically had a guy that said he would, t- for example, I had a guy that said that he would take over uh, working with a praise band. And you you saw the praise band when we did a fall retreat together, yeah. And uh, he got in there with them, and and he owned it, and it was his thing. And I was like, I don't have musical skill. Like I play CDs, you know. Like I push play. I'm not going to tell and you that's a even, stretch. Yeah, I mean, that's a stretch. <laughs> yeah. And so for me, it was like I I don't have any musical skill whatsoever, you know. But I want to support you in whatever we can do to get whatever we need to get done. And we had people donating soundboards and drums. And I mean, it was just crazy because there was a period of time there where the guy was like, well, what do you need? What are you looking for? And it's like, well, we need a new soundboard. Okay. So he picks up the phone and calls someplace and says, so-and-so is coming down there to pick up a new soundboard. <laughs> and I was yeah. Like, oh, okay. You know, but I, wow. whatever it is that they're looking for. And once you got people in places in ministry, if you can s- supply what they need so they can do the ministry well, um, and then it'll make a big difference because they'll feel like, oh, this is great. We're doing something. People support us. You know, we're not just, you know, they don't have to spend all the time scrounging to get stuff put together. They're actually able to to minister, to teach the students or to love on the kids and help them use whatever skills they have for whatever they're doing so that that ministry can become, you know, relevant in the church and everything else. Like, for example, I got to the point where I remember hearing one lady after two or three years of our praise band of a youth Sunday, and they were like, one lady, I heard an older lady say one time, um, basically she said, I wasn't really looking forward to it, but I think it was one of our better worship services. <laughs> and I was just kind of like, yes. you know. And in that process, I was able to teach and encourage the guy that was leading worship, like this is where we're going, this is what we want to do, this is how we want this to happen. Um, and in turn, he's teaching the students, this is what worship is. This is what we're trying to do. This is how we want this to happen. And so they were able to even just teach the church at that point in time. 
And so hopefully it stuck with them and made a difference in their life. Yeah. So you're, you're saying, you know, you're going to give, give things away to people with areas that they're passionate about and gifted in. Definitely. And that doesn't mean that you just turn it over and turn your back or kind of wipe your hands of it. You're still communicating. You're still pouring and investing as we've already talked about, but you're equipping them to do the ministry and then you're allowing them to do the ministry. And I think you have to, and I think that's so, so true, but you have to be willing to say, I'm going to let this fail. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, not, not every time, not all the time, not on a consistent basis do you let it fail. But there's sometimes when you're like, you know what? I'm not going to make sure that this is done uh, and stress myself out over this um, because I've given this to so-and-so and it's this person's ministry area and this is their thing and I'm not going to get in that. And so I think that that, you know, everybody tend to overwork ourselves and there's times when we're like, you know, if it doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen. And then we know, hey, it's kind of important for you to be there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. Don't miss practice. You're in yeah. charge. Exactly. Yeah, that's I mean, so that I think that's key. Okay. So communication, support and love, ministerial support or giving giving responsibility away to your team. And I think alongside that, kind of what you said too is maybe a side note to that is as you're building a team, which you need to be doing regardless of the size of your ministry, you're bringing folks along that are gifted and sh- have strengths that you do not have. Definitely. And that that makes you stronger as a whole. And then you're able to give those areas away. I think a lot of times youth pastors tend to re- recruit people to be in the youth ministry that are around the same age as them and that have kids the same age as them. And uh, I remember specifically at the last church, I was driving to a mission trip in Grifton, North Carolina, and I was riding in a pickup truck with this guy, and I realized that he was the same age as my dad, <laughs> and he was involved in the student ministry. And then we had another older guy go, and everybody was like, I can't believe Bobby's going on this mission trip with these kids. But by two days into this trip, everybody loved this guy and everybody was yelling his name. Anytime he walked into the cafeteria, everybody's like, Bobby, you know, the whole camp was yelling for this, you know, 70 year old guy who had decided to go on this mission trip. And I think it's important to have a wide variety on your team. Um, don't recruit people that are the same. I had a woman uh, tell me that basically she was told she wasn't allowed to work with the student ministry because her son wasn't involved in the student ministry and she was a single Mm. mother. And I said, no, 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 I want you to be involved because we have many children in our youth ministry that have single parents uh, or that you only have one parent or the other. And uh, she was a loving woman on this small group of girls. I mean, just unbelievable to this group of girls. And it was amazing to see her minister to them um, on a weekly basis. And it was like, there's no way I could have ever connected or had a relationship with those girls like she had with those girls. And that's the thing I think as a leader, you have to realize um, you're not going to connect to everybody, but you're going to have, if you can connect a leader to somebody that leader can connect and they can be that youth pastor to that kid uh, way better than you can. Our most effective leaders are our older leaders Hmm. by far. Um, Our, our college students that help occasionally they're they're great. I love them. They're super fun. They're really social, which some of our older leaders maybe aren't as confident in that area. But when our students have life happen to them, they run to our older leaders, Mm. run to them. And so uh, I always encourage folks to be intentional about recruiting a variety of leaders. That's good. That's so good. I'm glad you said that. What else you got? 
The last one I have is kind of repetitive, but I think it's that important is communication. But this time, communication to parents. I think it's important for the youth leader to communicate to parents and for the youth pastor to communicate to parents. And uh, I have this theory that if a youth pastor or a youth leader will communicate to the parents, one, that increases your chances of getting that parent to be involved in the student ministry or to show up and bring their kid. You know, if they're like coming to serve as a chaperone for something, well, then they're going to bring their kid with them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, and so I think that if they know what's going on, then it makes it easier. And I, I don't mean like, say, um, a lot of guys have a tendency, hey, next week we're going to do such and such. No, I'm saying like two months out. Four months out, this is the plan. This is where we're going to be. You know, uh, I remember um, in August telling them we're going on the mission trip on this week. And I had a leader ask me, what time do you think you'll be back from that? And I said, I don't know that today, uh, but as we get closer, we'll have a better idea. <laughs> you know, we're, we are talking like almost a year over <laughs> around a year in advance. Right. So we probably don't know that yet, but to give that information, the more the more you get that information out to parents, that communication there um, to the parents specifically, uh, just helps the ministry, helps people know what's going on. Uh, parents want to know what their kids are doing. Sometimes they're afraid to come and see what they're doing, uh, though they're, in my opinion, welcome. But it's it's one of these things you gotta. You communicate it and communicate it and then communicate it one more time and hope that they get it, that they're welcome and they're able to be a part of it. You want them there and you want to encourage them to, to make sure their kids and stuff, you know. Yeah, there's, I've written a couple of posts on communication with parents, um, on the blog. And I think this is another area where we just make a lot of assumptions mm-hmm. that we assume parents know because we've told the students. Oh, yeah. We assume parents know because we know. Uh, or we assume the leaders know because we know or because we mentioned it that one time. And I think we spend, I, I, you and you and I have talked about this before too. I don't think that youth ministry is quite as much about the teens that we serve as we would like to think. I think we spend way too much of our time focused on the teens that we serve and not enough on the leaders or the parents. Okay. I mean, would you, you agree with that? I think so. I think a lot of times we get wrapped up in trying to be a part of their life, but we, we've both talked about and seen that the parents going to have a greater impact on that teenager than we would ever have in the hour or two hours that we would have for youth group and Sunday school or whatever you have during the week kind of thing. And I think that a parent, if a parent's in the good spot, then, and the family's in a good spot, then I think there's a greater chance that that teenager is going to be in a good spot. Yeah. You can't devote all of your attention to the student and neglect the parent or the leader of that student. You've just yeah. got to, you've got to be intentional with your time and your attention. That's not to say now, that is not to say, don't, don't misquote that youth pastor here. Um, <laughs> that's not to say that you don't give attention and you don't pursue those students. You don't pursue those teens or that you can ignore those teens. It's just, say, I'm just saying it's not only about those teens. Yeah. But those, those teens are going to leave your ministry. But hopefully your leaders will not. Right. And those parents will probably still be a part of your church. And they're going to still need you even when they're out of your ministry. If you've built that relationship and you've built that trust with them, they're going to come back to you down the road when they're having life 
happen. And that's like I said earlier, if you if you are in the point where you're the pastor to that person, you have much more interaction with that leader and with those parents and with those students than the pastor or the the senior pastor or lead pastor or whatever you want to call it of the church would have. And so hopefully you would be at the point where that person says, this is my pastor. Uh, I still remember my first mm-hmm. church. I was visiting an older lady in the hospital and they're like, this guy's here to see you and we don't know what he's here for. And the lady looks at the the nurse that's standing there and she goes, can't you tell? That's my pastor. <laughs> that's so you know? good. And so I was like, you know, I'm brand new first church right out of seminary. Not sure exactly what I was doing and totally not comfortable in the hospital with uh, at all. And so it was one of these things that after that point, I was like, that's what I'm doing. That's why, I'm, you know, that's why I'm visiting these people in the hospital, because when I walk in the hospital room, for example, I'm their pastor. I'm not the yeah. youth pastor. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, I think a, a new youth pastors have to realize they can't devote all their time to the students uh, or they'll burn out because you can't yeah, you keep up totally with totally burn out. Totally burn out. You can't keep up with students, especially when you have more than like four in a room. You won't be able to do it. Um, yeah, even with four, you probably got four messed up kids. Yeah, and you're just chasing them, and you're pursuing them, and you're just hoping that you can, you can, you know, pray enough and posture their heart well enough that God just shows up in their life. Mm-hmm. And I, I was asked one time uh, by a guy really smart who was very supportive of my ministry. It was not in any way a dig at me or demeaning towards my role. But I was asked how I would defend my call to youth ministry biblically. And, um, mm. you know, the, the bottom line is you're, you can't. I mean, you're not going to find a youth pastor in the Bible. At the end of the day, I'm a pastor. Right. At the end of the day, I'm a pastor to students and, and to adult parents and to leaders. And so I've got to fill that role. I'm not an entertainer. I'm not a – and I, I think – I think we sell ourselves short and we sell our ministry short. I I would say that most youth ministries aren't doing enough of pastoring Hmm. and shepherding. And you've got youth leaders. If you have any youth leaders, if you've got two, they are most likely serving in your ministry when they would be connecting with others their own age or in their own small group. Definitely so you, true. the only community they have, the only adult interaction they have is with either you or with other youth leaders. So if you're not investing in pastoring and shepherding them, who is? Exactly. Who's helping them? Who's encouraging them? Who's, who's shepherding them? And the same for parents in, in many cases. Um, you know, or in, in like in our case, most of our youth leaders are parents and that's mm-hmm. intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I recruit very few younger leaders. Right. It's just I'd rather have parents have more invested in the ministry. They have they've they're they've walked longer with Jesus, and that's not a dig at at college kids. I was a youth pastor at eighteen. Mm. Um, you know, so I I'm clearly God can use you and can call folks into our ministries, and there's a role to fill there. But you've got to um, you've got to pastor people. You just have to pastor people. You have to shepherd hearts and challenge our students and our student ministries to go deeper. Yeah. Anybody can walk in, play some games, give a little devotion on how to overcome some obstacle in life, pray with them and send them home. Give them a nice t-shirt, play some crazy games, 
Everybody have a good time, yep. get messy, send them home. And there's a time and a place for those things. I'm not saying you should not play games or should not do those things. I'm just saying God's called you to do more. Yeah. Uh, life is too short, and they hear so much stuff from everywhere else. There's really no no point. And I mean, the church needs to be about making much of Christ and making sure that God is glorified. And if the church is not doing that, and they're trying too hard to be relevant or fun or cool or this, that's not going to help them be more like Christ as they go through life, um, and be more you know to pursue that holiness that God's called us to. And if they're not doing that, um then you're doing them a disservice. You're doing that student a disservice because they think that the walk with Christ is always happy, fun, skippy, you know, whatever. And it's like, well, what happens when life falls down around you and you're laid off from the job that you've been called to since you were 15 years old? Right. For example, I mean, where do you go then? What do you do? Well, and we've, you know, play together, laugh together, have fun together, fellowship together. But that builds community that gets students talking, that lets their guard down, that builds trust. Those elements are so crucial, not just to youth ministry, but to any ministry, okay? Yeah. Serve together, right? But it's got to go further than that. And you can't, it can't just stop there. Like, you've got these kids for such a short amount of time. They're sitting in class. Many of your, many of our students, they're struggling with depression. They're struggling with anxiety. They're struggling with same-sex attraction. They're struggling with cutting. They're struggling with suicidal thoughts. They're they're walking. They're struggling with divorce at home. They're walking into class with sitting around students who are struggling with those things. That, that is that is a lot of weight on them for us to come in and just pretend like nothing's happening and it's all and only focus on the fun and games. You know, like yeah. um and. and you know, I came I came tonight because I, I'm confused and I've got doubts or I'm struggling or I just need God to show up my life and we're drinking Coke through a sock, you know, mm. and like how is this how is this helping me right now? And you know, again, man, there's a time and a place for that. And it is a crucial element to student ministry. Don't don't misunderstand me on that. Yeah, but, I don't know about drinking Coke through a sock though. I mean, okay, oh yeah, there's no place for that. There's no <laughs> that, that. lock ins. Those two things. Oh my gosh. Don't get me <laughs> off on lock ins. Oh man. Um, oh gosh. Anyway. But you've got to shepherd people and you've got to shepherd hearts. And as you're pouring and investing in leaders and communicating with them and supporting them and giving the ministry away to them, and you're doing the same with parents in your ministry, you're you're helping your students. Mm-hmm. You're just supporting your students. That's so good. That's so good. How about a resource? Got any resources you'd throw out to folks? I got one I just finished reading. It was recommended to me. It's called Anonymous, and it's called Jesus's Hidden Years and Yours, and it's by Alicia Britt. I guess her last name is Cole, C-H-O-L-E. And uh, another one that I would recommend is I've read it at the first thing i've read at two different churches was your first two years in youth ministry yeah personal and practical guide by starting right by doug fields and and i'm just going to give you another one there just because i'm feeling generous overachiever in life i know i like you you need more links on your website so i forget about that (laughs) um the other one is refuel an uncomplicated guide to connecting with god and i just thought that was such a simple practical book because a lot of youth pastors get so busy and wrapped up in social media and connecting and doing this and and they don't spend the time to stop and just be tuned in with what God wants. And I think that would change many youth ministries if the focus was on 
being in that relationship with God. Um, and it kind of goes back to the first book. Um, and really, the I, I may mess up people if they want to read it, but basically the point of the book was that we didn't hear anything about Jesus from when he was lost at, the, at 12 years old in the temple till when he was 30 and he was baptized. And like, what did he go through? What was his experiences? There's no record of that in Scripture. And yet they say that there's this iceberg, and the iceberg is 10% what you see and 90% of what you don't see. And Christ was able to deal with the temptations and be the Son of God that he was and be human as he was. Uh, and the same thing is true for our lives is the fact that we go through hidden years or years where we feel hidden um, and we're hmm. waiting for that moment to to be, you know, we always say we want to be like Jesus and we want to, you know, be used and all this other stuff. And we're like, well, Jesus was beaten and persecuted and cursed and slapped and spit on and all that stuff. And he went through all that because of the quiet years he had before where nobody knew who he was as he was just quietly working away doing yeah. carpentry, I assume, or, you know. That's so good. So. If folks if folks want to find you, connect more uh, outside of the podcast, obviously the 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 post there on the blog, they can kind of read and hear a little more about your story and kind of how to respond if they find themselves in that situation. Um, where would they go to find you, though, and connect with you more? Probably Twitter. Twitter at riding, Twitter.com at Riding Pastor. Riding Pastor. I, bike riding. Okay. Bicycling. Yeah, you, you ride a bike a lot. Yeah, I had a blog and failed at the blog. So, <laughs> <laughs> so riding pastor, R I D I N G P A S T O R, at riding pastor. Great, we'll put a link for that too. Man, thank you so much. It was good. Yep. It was good, and I'm I'm sure you're you're up for people to contact and reach out and help however sure. you can. And uh, definitely, yeah, great, awesome. Well, thanks, man, and uh, I'll catch you later. Okay. Well, I hope you found that helpful and insightful. Matthew's such a great guy, just such helpful information there, really things that as a youth pastor you need to be considering in regards to those who serve alongside you as your team, as part of your team, your youth leaders there, your volunteer youth workers. Uh, I hope you're mindful of those. I hope you're intentional to recruit, uh, even as we talked about in there, and just mindful of those that serve along with you. You know, they're giving up a lot of their time that they could be devoting to other things and really giving up community in some sense if you're not being intentional with that. So go back, listen to that. You're going to want to take some notes if you didn't already. Again, uh, reach out to Matthew there. If you uh, if you need to contact somebody, he's, he's super helpful, very knowledgeable. You can head over to the show notes page for all the links to the resources and the links there that we mentioned. That's the longer haul dot com slash zero one two as in twelve the longer dot com slash zero one two leave a comment question there you have Matthew will be checking in answering those on that post as well don't forget to head over to audible.com for your free months trial and free download there at the longer dot com slash audible trial the longer dot com slash audible trial and again if you're just enjoying the podcast head over to iTunes subscribe there so you can get the episodes delivered to you each week. Write and leave a review there for me. I would really appreciate that. TheLongerHaul.com slash iTunes for that. And that'll do it for this week. That'll put it in the books. We'll see you next week. And until then, give them Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Longer Haul Youth Ministry Podcast at www.TheLongerHaul.com. 